0: The Bible contains great financial advice and also answers questions of morality. Join us as we look for answers to your questions and help you know your Bible. Welcome to Know Your Bible. We're glad you're here today. We're going to try to answer some of your questions, and hopefully by the end of the program, we'll all know our Bible a little bit better. Uh, That's what the purpose of this program is, and we operate a little differently than most religious TV programs. If you're tuning in for the first time, uh, we don't tell you you what we think you'd like to know or what you need to know. We let you ask what you'd like to know. So you direct the program. We take questions from our viewers. Uh, there's a phone number and a website at the bottom of the screen. You can use those anytime, And just ask what you've wondered about, a uh, detailed question about the Bible, something about a doctrine in the Bible, or maybe something in your life, your family, uh, your job, your current events. And you wonder, what's the Bible principle about that? How should I handle this, or what should I think about that? We'll try to give you an answer to Just about anything you can think of that might have a Bible answer. So give us a call or log on. Let us know, and Toby and I will try to answer those questions. Good morning, Toby Levering. And good morning. I'm Steve Tandy, and we're here to answer your questions as quickly as we can, but we always start with one for you. So if you're watching and we'll test you a little bit on your Bible knowledge, what day could the high priest... Enter the most holy place. There was one day a year, and what was the name of that day? Uh, we'll tell you that at the end of the program. See if you know that little bit of Old Testament history. Uh, looks like I got the first one. If somebody's wondering about the Christian flag, what do the symbols mean on the Christian flag? Uh, well, there is a thing called the Christian flag Uh, It's basically all white with a blue square up in the corner. I should have looked up a picture and put it on the screen for you, but many of you have seen it. It's a white flag with a blue square in the corner and a red cross in the middle of that blue square. Uh, I looked it up and found out that it was designed in the early 1900s. Some preacher decided that would be a good idea to have a Christian flag and Designed it, and supposedly the white part of the flag stands for the purity of Jesus. Uh, the blue square, a little disagreement there. Some people say it's the blue of heaven, and some say it's the blue of the waters of baptism. And then the cross is red, and that refers to the red blood of Jesus. So that's what my research said people thought it meant when they designed it. So uh, there is such a thing as a Christian flag, and that's what it supposedly means. All right, somebody looking for a scripture. Yeah, they
1: are, and they want to know about, specifically, drunkards not going to heaven. Where is the scripture about drunkards not going to heaven? Well, uh, there there are several scriptures on the subject of being drunk, and of course the Bible uh, condemns that. is certainly not in favor of that and tells people to avoid it and warns about the dangers of alcohol in many places. Uh, the scripture that you may be thinking of, this is the one I'm going to assume you might be thinking of, is from 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. We'll look at this on the screen. Uh, Paul writes, Do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Uh, When you notice uh, verse 10, it says, "...that is what some of you were, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God." Uh, there are many sinful acts, and there are a few places within the Scriptures where the Bible, the, the author, makes a list, gets very specific, so that we know what kind of behaviors are sinful and how we can't ma- continue to live in those sins and expect uh, to be in heaven with God. There is a clear lineup between um, what we profess and how we live, and. Christians especially cannot be the type of people who live uh, in a way that's counter to what the Bible teaches and to what Jesus would want for our lives. Uh, Specifically, as far as being drunk, I I think the main issue with that is that you lose all self-control, that you become under the influence of a foreign substance. Uh, You do things that you don't remember you say things that are um, uh, that you regret you do things that you regret Um, you possibly cause harm to yourself or others Uh, it's just a terrible thing and uh, scripture warns about the dangers of alcohol in many places i'm going to give you some scriptures and if you'd like to look up those for further study you can Ephesians 5.18, do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. And of course, Proverbs has a lot to say. Wine is a mocker, a strong drink a brawler, and whoever is led astray by them is not wise. Uh, that's Proverbs 20, verse 1. And Peter said in 1 Peter 5.8, be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary the devil prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. And that's the main thing is alcohol keeps us from being uh, sober-minded. So uh, warns against it in a lot of places and of course dr- being drunk is a sin and is uh, not some, not something that Christians should do.
0: All righty. I've got the viewer called in, not with a question, but with two statements actually. First statement, Paul said he was not called to baptize. Second statement, so... Baptism is not a means of salvation. Well, first statement is true. second statement is incorrect. Uh, faulty logic, not correct, bad use of scripture. so let's look through that and see what we can learn. First statement, Paul said he was not called to baptize. That is true. There is a verse first 1 corinthians one seventeen let's look at it on the screen. Uh, Paul said, "For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach." The Gospel, okay, so that one's true. Jesus did or Paul did say that, uh, however, that is one of the worst examples of taking a verse out of context uh, that there is. A lot of people take verses and it proves what they want to believe. Uh, They'll take it out of context and use it. That's a very, very dangerous thing. Uh, We say context all the time on this program. Read a little bit around a verse and see if it all kind of matches up with what you thought that verse meant. If you do that here, you'll find out, no, Paul wasn't saying anything about the necessity or the efficacy or anything of baptism. He was talking about uh, following men instead of Christ. The problem, if you go back up to about verse uh, 12, 11 or 12 in First Corinthians 1, Paul says, I hear you're quarreling and that you've got parties formed there in the church in Corinth. And some of you are saying, I follow Paul, and some of you are saying, I follow Apollos, and another preacher, and some of you are saying, I follow Peter, and so they had people that were saying, no, Paul's more important than Peter, and he's more important than Apollos, and I'm a Paul Christian, Uh, and Paul says, no, 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 that's not the way it works, now let's read uh, beginning in verse 13, and you'll see exactly what Paul's talking about, Paul says, is Christ divided, Was Paul crucified for you? See what he's saying there? Listen to this. Were you baptized into the name of Paul? Okay, he's telling them how silly this is to try to follow a preacher and not just follow Christ. Now, listen to what he says in 14. I'm thankful that I didn't baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius, so no one can say that you were baptized into my name. Okay? And then he says down in verse 17, Uh, For Christ didn't send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Okay? So the whole context is following preachers. And what Paul is saying is uh, you're arguing about who's the most important preacher. And, boy, I'm glad I didn't baptize many of you. Because then you could say you were baptized into my name. Well, you weren't. You were baptized into the name of Christ. I let other people baptize you. I just preached. And other people did the baptizing. So he's not saying anything about the necessity of baptizing. In fact, if you go back up to verse 13, it's obvious everybody there was baptized. (laughs) If it wasn't important, if it wasn't necessary, uh, as our viewer says, why does Paul just assume and talk about everybody in Corinth being baptized? Well, you read all the rest of the New Testament. you find out not only is baptism uh when we are saved it's highly symbolic it's it there's a lot of meaning there, and everybody that was converted to Christ was baptized that's how they got into christ romans six four says we are baptized into his death that's how we get contact with him so uh our viewers' two statements one's true, Paul did say that statement. You read the context, however, and it's obvious that's not what he meant. And uh, you look at the rest of the New Testament, and it's faulty logic to say that baptism is not necessary. So hopefully that explains that a little bit. Let's take just a moment to talk about a good way to study the Bible. Just like on that question where we say, study the context. We try to teach good tools of Bible study. Uh, And we know lots of people respect the Bible and want to read it and want to learn, but to just sit down and start reading, sometimes it's hard to get that habit formed. So we've got some tools uh, we think are great ways to help you study the Bible, and we'll send them to you absolutely free. Uh, Here's the first set of lessons. starts with the Old Testament, the New Testament. I got a lesson there about becoming a Christian. Then we've got some more advanced courses that we're happy to send to you through the mail, and we'll pay the postage so you return them to us. Uh, but we've also got some new offerings that uh, don't cost any postage for either one of us. If you want to study online, we've now got a way to do that. So respond to this website, oneway.worldbibleschool.org, and you see some of the lessons there at the top, but you can take those. Uh, you can take them with paper through the mail, but you can also do them on your home computer or your cell phone, uh, your tablet, whatever you want to do. Any place you are, you can sit down and work on a lesson for a while. Uh, there will be a study helper that helps you if you have any questions. Uh, we think it's going to be a great way to help people study the Bible and know your Bible better. So use that website, or if you want one of the traditional courses, uh, use the phone number or the website on the screen. and. We can get those started for you in any time. Become a good Bible student. All right, Toby, what's up?
1: A viewer has a question about a specific verse, Colossians three, verse five. Are covetousness and idolatry the same thing? No. Uh, covetousness is different from idolatry. Uh, I will say there might you you might call them cousins because there can be some overlap. Uh, but let's to help clarify this just a little bit let's look at this verse in two different translations the King James says mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth fornication unclean uncleanness inordinate affection evil help me out with that conspicuousness um, uh, covetousness which is idolatry uh, Colossians chapter three verse five in the NIV uh, makes it a little easier to read and understand. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Okay. When you when you look at those two in comparison, it's easy to see. Uh, sometimes we get a question about. Uh, which translations we use uh, as i've demonstrated uh, one translation here is harder to read and understand because it's it's the the english that it uses is 400 years old and so people aren't used to using those kind of words and it can cause confusion uh the the king james by the way i think is a is a is a good translation the new king james is more helpful it is a little more modernized english and it keeps the same uh, ideas that king james that people are used to but uh, covetous to your specific question covetousness might be better defined and that's why i put the two translations up there uh, in the modern definition, we might just call it greed or materialism, and we all know people who are like that. Who just, no matter uh, how much they make, uh, they always want to make more. Uh, they are continually desiring the latest uh, cars and toys and houses of technology. Uh, they just always have to have the newest and best. Uh, when someone else has something better than them, it really offends them. They have to go out and get that. They are just—they uh, can really be overcome with uh, envy and and just focused on the material things of this world it's a very sad thing in fact Jesus said those were the kind of things that were the thorns that choked out faith uh, it was the greed and materialism uh, that that uh, focus gets our eyes focused on things of this world uh, rather than the things of the next world so uh, covetousness is Uh, greed idolatry is worshiping worshiping now anything besides god himself and that can be a lot of things uh it can be things like we've talked about money and stuff but it can be things like sports it it can actually be foreign gods uh, gods that are uh, i'll use quotes not really gods Um, uh, it can be technology some people worship at the altar of celebrity and fame they got to get their People magazine, they got to hear the latest Hollywood gossip. They take all the opinions of every celebrity as gospel. Uh, It can be politics, can run the same way. There's a lot of things. the human heart is designed to worship something. And when you're not worshiping your creator, uh, you'll fill that with all sorts of things that you will bow down at the altar of Uh, when you are not focused on God. So the two are different. They can be close, uh, but covetousness and idolatry are different.
0: Okay, thank you. Uh, While you were reading that, I might have had a question a few weeks ago about why don't we use the King James Version more.
1: Yes, exactly. Well,
0: there's one reason. (laughs) There's words in there that we don't use anymore. And... um, when you had trouble pronouncing it, I thought, man, I'm not sure I know how to pronounce yes. that. So <laughs> I looked it up while you were answering that question. Okay. It's, it's concupiscence. Okay. Thank and, you. And it means strong sexual desire. Okay. So, All right. Uh, perfectly good word in 1611. Yeah. But uh, in 2018, 2019, it's not that good a word. <laughs> I'm going to try
1: throwing that one around today. Con, just see if I can work that one into
0: conversation. Yep. Um, <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got one about uh, old and new cloth. What did Jesus mean about the old and new cloth and old and new wine skins? Uh, well, let's just read part of the passage, and it's in Matthew, uh, and it's actually in chapter nine i don't know where I went wrong with my uh, texting here, but Matthew chapter nine, beginning in verse sixteen, is where you'll find this: No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. If he does the new piece, we'll pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And then the rest of the verse talks about old wineskins and new wineskins. Go read the context. You'll see Jesus was asked a question about fasting and why his uh, disciples didn't fast, and he said, "Well, there's no need to fast right now." And what he was telling them was that just doesn't fit right now. I'm here with them. I'm teaching them. Uh, This, these are good times. Uh, There's no reason to fast right now. It doesn't fit. And his examples were uh, if you take an old garment and you need to patch it and you put a piece of new cloth that hasn't been washed that will shrink. If you sew it on there, then when you wash everything, it will all shrink up and tear away. Same thing with wineskins. Wineskins got old and brittle, and so you put new wine in new wineskins so that it was flexible and it would expand as the wine fermented uh, and if you put it in an old brittle old wineskin skin, it burst okay so jesus said these two things don't fit uh, old new cloth on old garments don't work new wine and old wineskins don't work fasting doesn't work with what we're doing right now uh, so the new kingdom's different <clears throat> Just doesn't fit together. So that's all he meant was these two things don't go together well. So hope that helps. All right, let's uh, talk about uh, uh, inviting you to visit the Church of Christ. Uh, we mention uh, one or two every week and try to uh, tell you about them because the Churches of Christ keep us on the air and we are supported by them. And we appreciate them. Uh, the Church in Kingman and the Church of Christ in Pratt are both folks that uh, support this program. Uh, if you live in one of those communities, drop in and visit them. Uh, and Pratt, Steve Triplett's a minister there. I was just out there a few weeks ago and visited with them. Great group of people in Pratt. Uh, you'd be warmly welcomed at either Kingman or Pratt. If you live in one of those communities and know somebody that goes to the Church of Christ, tell them you saw them on Know Your Bible and appreciate them providing the program. Uh, whatever markets you're watching in there's a church of christ close to you probably uh, drop in and visit them or tell them thank you for providing the program all right toby
1: have you asked a question regarding the sabbath and the question is when was jesus crucified and are there more than one sabbath in a week okay uh, well the bible does not explicitly say on which day of the week jesus was crucified uh... we have to use reason to figure that out and the problem is is that the way we reason that out uh, has, uh, I don't know, in recent years, but there's been some debate about it, how you get there, and that's what we're going to look at. The classic view, uh, and the one that I agree with, is that Jesus was crucified on a Friday. Uh, that's why we celebrate Good Friday. Matthew chapter 12, verse 40, we'll put this one on the screen. Jesus himself said, For as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of a huge fish, so the Son of Man will be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. So, Jesus spelled that out, and we we know how long he was in there and how long he said he would be in there uh, Mark chapter fifteen verse forty two This will not be on the screen, but Jesus says Jesus was crucified the day before the Sabbath. Now the problem that people run into is that they say well that 's not exactly Uh, 72 hours, three 24-hour periods, which is uh, uh, something to do with Jewish culture. They considered if you were uh, celebrating part of the day, you were acknowledging the full day. Uh, The Jews began to celebrate the Sabbath on actually the Friday evening, what we would call Friday evening, at sundown. That's how they uh, measured their day and Matthew chapter 16 verse 21 and Luke chapter 9 verse 22 uh Jesus taught that he would rise on the third day so he didn't need to be in the grave three full days and three uh nights he could have just been in there for part of that time so Friday Saturday and Sunday is how we would do the three three days and um some make a different argument they say well Jesus they think Jesus was crucified on Thursday, and the reason for that is that uh, Mark chapter eight verse thirty-one says Jesus will be raised after three days. They also uh, focus on the three nights that Jesus mentioned. Uh, well, uh, they they basically are making an argument based on uh, that Jesus was crucified the day before the official observation of sabbath began as we said friday at sundown so they they back that up another day and say that he would have been crucified on thursday okay well people smarter than me and you have been debating this and the scripture doesn't tell us exactly when but it was probably thursday or friday and i come down to it at what matters most is not when and specifically what day he was crucified um If it did, the Bible would spell it out rather clearly. Uh, But what matters most is that he was crucified and why he was crucified, why he died and then three days later was resurrected. Um, Sometimes it amazes me the things that Christians will choose to argue over, and this is one of them. Uh, But the truth uh, is that Jesus lived, he died, and he was resurrected three days later. And uh, that is true regardless of what day it happened. So I hope that... Helps show the two different views on that subject.
0: All righty, good explanation. Where'd the devil come from? Uh, people wonder that and ask that, and especially children ask that sometimes. Where'd the devil come from? Uh, so I'm going to answer this without a whole lot of scripture, and usually we give you supporting scripture for everything we say here, but I'm just going to kind of give you a summary of what the Bible says. And maybe some other time we can go into all the scriptures. But basically what we understand from the Bible is that Satan was a created angel. At one time he was an angel serving in heaven, serving God. He rebelled. We're not sure why. Uh, He rebelled against God and got cast out of heaven and was expelled and had to live on earth. He's the prince of the power of this world. Uh, He has limited power, and at the end of time, he's going to be cast into the lake of fire that God prepared for him and his angels. So that's where he came from. He was a created angel that rebelled and will be ultimately punished someday, but right now has some limited power on earth, and we're supposed to beware of him. So that's where the devil came from.
1: Okay, the next viewer wants to know about an eye for an eye. and uh, Jesus said he didn't come to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So why did he contradict the scripture about an eye for an eye? Well, an eye for an eye was the Old Testament standard for justice. It kept people from over-responding. If you injure me, I'm going to injure you and then some. And that Old Testament law was a preventative measure. <clears throat> and this viewer takes the view that if uh, Jesus said, you've heard it said, eye for eye, tooth for tooth. Um, this is going to be Matthew 5:38 and 39. We'll look at it on the screen. You've heard it said, uh, an eye for an eye and tooth for tooth. But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And he's really uh, saying, listen, uh, in a world that where you're worried about the uh, getting what you deserve and what's just and what's fair uh, you don't be the type of people who worry about that if 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 someone slanders you or someone uh, has it out for you you let God take care of those things i don't think he's saying to violate the law at all. If anything, he's taking it to a higher level. Uh, he was, in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying that the, the, what matters here, the, the, the real heart of the matter is a matter of the heart. we've got to think more about than just beyond what the law says now of course jesus did fulfill the law at the cross he became the perfect sacrifice for all the violations of the law so eye for eye is justice we all deserve justice but thankfully we didn't get it because of what jesus did at the cross so we who follow jesus are to show mercy just as we have been shown mercy by god through jesus christ so he didn't didn't contradict the law. He absolutely fulfilled it, and he called Christians to a higher standard uh, as we live. I hope that helps clarify.
0: All righty. Thank you for that answer, and thank you all (coughs) for your questions today. Let's answer our trivia question before we quit. Uh, What day could the high priest enter the most holy place? Only one day a year. It was the Day of Atonement. Pretty important day. That was the day he got to go in where the God's presence was. You read about that in Leviticus chapter 16. Glad you've been with us today and hope we got some of your questions answered. We're going to tackle some more of them next week, so tune back in then. Until then, we hope you have a great week. Know Your Bible has been presented by the Churches of Christ in your area.